Welcome to MHM Podcast Network on moviehousememories.com. Podcast for pod people. Our feature presentation begins now. Welcome to our Japanese pollution edition of Movie House Concessions here on the MHM Podcast Network. Each episode, we pull a random film from the display case to see if it is as fresh as the day it was released. I am Chad. I'm Patrick. And for this episode, we are reviewing 1971's Godzilla vs. Hedorah, directed by Yoshimitsu Bano, written by Karu Mabuchi and Yoshimitsu Bano, and starring Akira Yamauchi, Toshi Kimura, and Hiroyuki Kawasi. I think that's how you say it. But anyway, before I butcher any more names, uh, Patrick, do you have a summary for this fine film? I do. In the early 1970s, the world as a collective whole cared little for the environment. This was never more evident than in the Japan depicted in Godzilla vs. Hedorah. A microscopic alien life form, eventually called Hedorah, lands off the coast of Japan and begins feeding on the trash and pollution out at sea. Hedorah grows into a poisonous, acid-secreting sea monster, like that of a giant tadpole. Hedorah sinks an oil tanker and attacks Dr. Tora Yano and his young son, Ken Yano, while they are investigating the pollution in the ocean. Dr. Yano is scarred by the acid, but he survives the attack and informs the world of the existence of the deadly Hedorah. Ken has visions of his hero Godzilla coming to Japan and fighting the mysterious Hedorah, and he begins insisting that Godzilla will be humanity's savior. Meanwhile, Hedorah continues to grow and metamorphize into an amphibious form that can walk on land. It comes ashore and begins to feed on the pollution produced by many factories along the coastline of Japan. Hundreds of people are killed during the attack. Godzilla wades through the sludge and pollution in the ocean to confront Hedorah as the pollution monster feeds off some smokestacks. The larger Godzilla easily overpowers Hedorah, and the pollution monster retreats into the sea. Godzilla does manage to knock several pieces off the monster, but the pieces begin moving themselves and return to the sea to rejoin with Hedorah, which makes him more powerful. Eventually, Hedorah returns to land again in the form of a flying saucer-like shaped creature. This version of Hedorah releases a deadly gas which kills thousands of people who are unfortunately caught in its wake. Hedorah eventually evolves into its strongest form, its perfect form if you will, which is another land-based creature that even towers over Godzilla. This creature fires corrosive globs that eat through almost anything except for a rubber lizard costume. Meanwhile, Dr. Yano continues researching Hedorah despite his injuries. He discovers that Hedorah began as a tadpole-like creature that fed off the world's pollution. He also discovers that Hedorah can split into multiple pieces and then reform later. Most importantly, he discovers that if Hedorah is placed within a sufficient electrical charge, the electricity will cause Hedorah's body to dry out, effectively destroying the pollution monster. Dr. Yano co contacts the military to build a large electrical conductor near Mount Fuji. At the same time, 
Japan's youth population decides to evacuate the cities and travels to the hills near Mount Fuji to protest their country's polluting activities and to celebrate one last day on Earth. They do this by starting bonfires, which destroys the equivalent of several large trees and and releases large amounts of carbon into the air. Ken is present for the protest. The fires and the youth's horrible 70s music draw the attention of Hedora. Fortunately for the youth movement, Godzilla arrives again to fight Hedora. However, Godzilla is overpowered by a now larger Hedora who continues to morph back and forth between the, its iterations, which keeps Godzilla off balance. Godzilla loses an eye and has his hand burned to the bone by Hedora's corrosive bodily fluids. An unconscious Godzilla is thrown into a pit and Hedora attempts to drown the large lizard with his polluted chemical sludge. Fortunately, the military and Dr. Yano arrive at the scene. The military put the finishing touches on their gigantic electrodes in the hopes of luring Hedora in between them. The military uses helicopters to drop gas canisters near Hedora to lure him into place. The helicopters distract Hedora from putting the finishing touches on Godzilla. Unfortunately, the monster's battle has destroyed the wiring to an electrical tower, which cuts off the power to the electrodes. As the military struggles to reconnect the power, Dr. Yano and the commander of the Japanese forces use the headlights of some military jeeps to lure Hedora into final position. Unfortunately, the electrical engineers are not able to reconnect the power once Hedora is in between the electrodes. Fortunately, however, Godzilla uses his atomic breath to charge the electrodes, which dehydrates the pollution monster. Hedora sheds his outer body and attempts to fly away in his flying saucer form. Godzilla uses his atomic breath to propel himself into the air and knocks Hedorah down to the ground. Once grounded, Godzilla drags the now smaller Hedorah back between the electrodes. The military powers up the electrodes for a second time with another assist from Godzilla, and they destroy Hedorah. Hedorah's husk of a body is then smashed into dust by Godzilla. In the aftermath, Godzilla returns to the sea, but not before giving the humans a stern look that indicates that he is displeased with their polluting ways. Ken runs after Godzilla and says goodbye to the giant lizard. And that was Godzilla versus Hedorah. Sounds exactly the way I would picked it. Uh, <laughs> I, I, thank you. Uh, the, so Godzilla versus Hedorah was released in Japan on July the 24th of 1971. It earned a whopping 300 million yen on an approximate budget of 87 million yen. That would be $900,000 on a budget of $250,000 for you and me, Russ. Uh, let's see here. Some uh, The only major movie released in the United States on that same day, I was looking that up, was The Horseman, which starred Omar Sharif and uh, was directed by John Frankenheimer. I'm sure you have that in your collection someplace. <laughs> Uh, I'm aware of it, but I do not have that. (laughs) Okay. Let's see. Some of the favorite movies released in the USA at that point in time were Love Story, Willard, Clute, and Patrick's autobiography, The Summer of 42. Uh, Let's see here. Um, The Internet Movie Database gives this movie a 6 out of a 10. The 90% of the Google robots, which I know are officially robots after seeing this, they actually like this movie. That's 90%. And an even more troubling uh, situation here, 62% of the Rotten Tomato critics gave this thing a positive score, 
while 49% of the audience uh, liked this movie. And then the major thing I like to remind everybody, in the 1978 book, The 50 Worst Films of All Time, uh, this is one of those 50. So oh, really? I wanted to throw that out in the stats real fast. Interesting. Because <laughs> it is bad. I don't think it's the worst of the Godzilla films we've seen so far, but it's 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 not good. <laughs> I'm just shocked as I read through things how much people like this, but we'll get to that after a bit. So Toho Studios distributed Godzilla vs. Hedorah, the 11th film in the Godzilla franchise in 1971. Writer and director Yoshimitsu Bano intended this installment to tackle environmental pollution head-on by introducing us to a brand new monster, Hedorah, which was created by the toxic waste, sludge, and water pollution that had run rampant in, J in Japan. So let's start with the Bono premise here, uh, Patrick. We know from Gojira that Godzilla was created by the atomic weapons used on Japan during World War II. Now, Hedorah was named after the Japanese word Hedoro, uh, which means sludge, slime, vomit, and or chemical ooze. So how well do you feel the overall concept was brought to the big screen this time around compared to the original Gojira in tackling environmental issues uh, or a man versus nature issue? Well, I thought it was as subtle as Al Capone talking about baseball in The Untouchables. It was... <laughs> hit me in the side of the head at every step of the way from the opening credits all the way to the closing credits and the songs that were included in both that <laughs> it, it, it just, you know, we, I know we've bitched before about yep. most of the other Godzilla films lacking kind of some, you know, theme or, you know, some, you know, subtext to them, you know, cause it's a giant you know, rubber lizard movie. But the first one was a commentary on the atomic age or the use of nuclear weapons, atomic weapons. And here we get one where they're 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 trying to do a theme, but it has none of the subtlety of Gojira <laughs> at all. I mean, it is it is just bad and just kept just right in my face the whole time. Uh, and I just I was like, okay, I get it. Pollution is bad. We need to do better. Although I find it interesting that it, this, it was this pervasive in 1971, you know, like considering that we're now 50 years later and we still have environmental issues and it, it is much more, I think, dire than it was 50 years ago. And they're talking about big giant monsters destroying the earth back in 1971. So it, it yeah, I didn't really appreciate it. Yeah, this reminding me of a uh, John Wayne propaganda film we went through. <laughs> uh, it was that smack dab in the face, as you mentioned. Yeah, I just found this one so funny from the get-go. It's like, here we go. You're going to have a movie about a pollution monster, which I just found humorous. It's like, well, let's look at the tar pits. Let's look at the sludge. Let's look at the toxic waste. And then let's have a tadpole turn into that monster. And then it mutates and grows and all the sludge and everything builds together. And when it gets broken apart, it all comes back together and it builds a monster that then goes on the land. And then a monster that flies through the air with the greatest of ease. And, you know, it's just, <laughs> thank you. And then when uh, Godzilla, we'll get to this a little bit later, but when he tries to fight this thing, it's almost impossible to fight him and they have to find the 
brilliant scientist who almost risks his own life to figure out how to stop this thing and stop pollution. And then it's just, he even says numerous times throughout the movie, we need to limit our pollution and stop pollution or else the monster will never go away. That's about as subtle as it gets for me. I mean, the only thing that could have made this worse as far as message communication would have been that Godzilla ultimately won the fight by taking Hedorah and putting him into a trash can. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I mean, it was, there was nothing, as I said, nothing subtle about this at all. Even Godzilla's look at the end, like, don't you guys be doing this again type of thing. Like, oh, Jesus. Were you waiting for a teardrop to run down yeah. the side of his cheek? No, the Indian was off to the side doing this, going, I can't believe they made this shitty fucking movie. But <laughs> Well, Hedora is actually um, a material. It's not really a creature, uh, as we were told in the movie. We get to see multiple versions of this monster, as I said, um, from a tadpole to a terrestrial form to a that walks on land to a you know, a flying aerial form. And then finally, the giant sludge monster that Godzilla battles. Uh, it kills toxic, or excuse me, kills humans with toxic gases and sulfuric acid. And what are your thoughts then about the many incarnations of Fedora? It's vagina-shaped eyes, the sludge that breaks apart and reforms, the testicles, if you will, that Godzilla pulls out of it during their fight towards the end. And how hard is it killed? Do you think this was a very credible monster after looking at all the monsters we've seen before? My least favorite monster by far. And that even includes Son of Godzilla, because no. that's my least favorite of all the other ones. This one is worse. And each iteration is progressively worse. At least when it was the tadpole-like form it hidden partially in the water, it had some menace to it. Once it flew out of the water, did that jump over Ken, you know, <laughs> I thought that was silly. Uh, and then the uh, the flying saucer thing was silly. And then the garbage bag like creature that uh, the one thing about it that I thought was interesting is that it's much larger than Godzilla. Uh, but mm-hmm. it, it's just it was like, God, this costume is just horrible. It's just absolutely horrible. You know, I, I was a little confused about uh, you, you say testicle like things. I thought Godzilla was pulling out his eyes. But I'm not. Mm-hmm. Sh- I wasn't sure what. I was like, I don't. What yeah. are those? It's really unclear to me what he's doing. I mean, he really doesn't like them. <laughs> but, but I wasn't quite sure. What is this? You know, what what is he doing? But maybe maybe it was testicles. I I, I don't know. Well, and that's the thing. In my research after the fact, I, they did say that those were supposed to be Hedora's eyes um, that he pulled out, but. They didn't have time to color them the same way you see them inside the monster. So they just had him pull them out and then hold him up like, okay, did I get him? What did I get? Blah, blah, blah. So that's why I went with the uh, notion that he could have pulled out his balls, ripped his balls right out of his sack, if you will, because they don't go through and let you know those are his eyes. You're open to interpretation for all this. Well, you know, and I kind of wonder, like, did the writers get really bored writing this film? Because it's just like, okay, 
So we have Dr. Yano. He's out in the ocean and he gets attacked by the creature. What happened? What, 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 should, what should happen to him? Let's cause him to lose an eye. That's brilliant. Let's go with that. Let's do that again. All right. Now, Godzilla's fighting the creature. What's, what, what's going to happen to him? He's, he's losing the battle. How about we uh, lo- have him lose an eye? <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. That's, that's so unique. No one will ever expect that. All right. Now, Godzilla's battling Hedorah, you know, and he gets the advantage. What, 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 what's Godzilla going to do? Tear his arm off? No. How about we have him lose his eyes? Like, Jesus Christ, how many people are going to lose fucking eyes? in this goddamn movie <laughs> that was fucking george lucas fetishes out there yeah because <laughs> i guess the other fun thing about all this is um you know he's a monster that really really will never go away as i mentioned until you get rid of all the pollution and they sort of imply it at the end of the movie that he could come back um a tadpole could remutate and you would have the next one, sort of like we have multiple Godzillas throughout the movie or, or throughout the series. Uh, the original Godzilla died in the original Gojira. This one so is we- permanently scarred with one eye and a loss, a loss of a hand. And yet in the next film, uh, completely better. <laughs> exactly. And that's just the way it's going to be from this point forward. And as you mentioned, the writers being bored, you know, they made this in, I think, 35, 39 days. So I don't think they put a whole lot of time and effort, and we definitely know money into this thing. So let's go with the giant sludge monster. It's almost like the giant poop monster in Weird Science. It's like, just let's just throw some shit out there and see if it sticks. <laughs> wow. Uh, it, not much stuck to the hefty bag monster, because that's, I mean, that's what he looks like, is a big plastic hefty bag monster. But. <laughs> So this film is definitely a creature of the early 1970s, as Patrick joked about earlier. The James Bond-esque uh, psychedelic intro, the bizarre disco dancing in the nightclub that goes along with the hit song Give Back the Sun, um, the nutty cartoon inserts that try to explain the pollution. It's all just wacky and out of the norm for any monster movie, even in the Godzilla series. So uh, what kind of monster movie do you make of all this once you see all this stuff? And do you feel that it was necessary or were people just taking a lot of drugs while they're making this movie? Well, yeah, I I mean, I'm kind of, as I said, I hate to, you know, now pick on them when they try to do a message, you know, a message film like the first one. But it was like this film, the message was the film and there was very little you know, it, it was not covered in subtext. It was like, this is blatantly what the film is about. And yeah, we're going to put Godzilla in here too. I'll give them credit. There's a lot of monster fighting. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's Godzilla and a fucking monster that I don't like. And <laughs> I was less interested in. And there, I mean, there was obviously very little drama to this. And I, I it just became so, so te- tedious to watch. Uh, that it was, it, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I don't care for this monster. I find it interesting doing the research that they plan to make a sequel to this and bring back Adora. Um, and fortunately someone said, are you fucking nuts? And didn't follow <laughs> that plan. Uh, although I think they did in the eighties or something like that. They, they revisit this character again as well. But this, and this one, it was like, I was glad I, once again, glad it was over. Wasn't as short as uh, All Monsters Attack, where it was only like what seventy minutes. This goes about a full hour and a half, and so it's 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 a little bit of a chore to work its way through. 
in about 45 minutes of it seems to be a fight between Godzilla and Hedorah. Right. And I mean, I don't mind. And we've talked about this before. You've you used to have to wait 45 minutes before you saw Godzilla. And then even if you saw him 45 minutes in, you may not have got a fight until the last 15, 20 minutes. This one lasted 45 minutes. And it, as you said, it was tedious. It was long. I mean, you get bored halfway through because you don't think Godzilla can beat Hedora. Hedora just breaks apart and comes back together. The son of a bitch and people in Japan can't pay their fucking electric bill. So Godzilla has to keep recharging their goddamn electric weapon to try to kill off Hedora. I mean, it's like, come on, people, let's get a plan together here. And the hippies up on Mount Fuji, I mean, they could have done a little bit more to help out. They're just up there like the hippies listening to their uh, give it, give back the sun song and having a lot of fun. It just was tedious and boring. And I'm like you, I get the message. I appreciate the message. I love the original Gojira movie primarily because of its message and the suspense they put through it. But this one is like just amateur hour, how they approached it. Yeah, it was, let's make a movie about the dangers of pollution. Okay, what should we put in the movie? Well, the pollution causes a, a threat to the human race. Well, in what form? Like, you know, uh, a, an environmental threat? No, an alien monster threat. Oh, I know what we can do. We could put Godzilla in it. That's a great idea. And that that's where the thought process began. It wasn't starting with a Godzilla movie. It was... We're starting with a pollution movie and we're kind of throwing this in here, although probably the one of the longest battles, but mm-hmm. it, it, it does it, it does get a little tedious. You know, it's like, you know, two rubber suited people punching each other for a little while or not even punching each other, pretending to shoot things at each other, whether it be little balls of goo or um, atomic breath or some other thing coming from. Hedorah's eye, which I never really understood what it was, but uh, you know they they they're just kind of staring at each other. And I I give them credit for one thing in the whole battle thing is the way they got Godzilla to grab onto Hedorah and basically pull him backwards into the machine that was able to deatomize him. I mean that was a cute little scene at the end. It was original for these guys. I mean. Godzilla is uh, pretty smart. I mean, he sat there and tried to measure up what the hell was going right and wrong throughout the whole movie and then finally figured out a way to uh, shoot himself backwards and kill off this goddamn sludge monster. Well, I wanted to ask you, what did you think of Godzilla grabbing his tail and feet and propelling himself with atomic breath? I I actually, I say, I found it cute. Uh, okay. It wasn't the greatest thing ever uh, because you don't think a monster is going to be that ingenious, but it was just was a cute thought because this is an absurd movie and you might as well just go with the ultimate absurdity to have the good guy win at the end. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't share that sentiment. <laughs> like, yeah. I, mean, you, I can you disagree fuck, on this one. I don't care. Fucking kidding me. I'm like, really? Now, at this point in time, after he fought like a much greater and better threat, King Ghidorah, we're going to have him like, hey, guys, I'm going to tuck and run, literally, uh, and and just to go at, go after them. I was like, oh, that's a horrible special effect, and it was hor- a horrible plot point. I just did not like it. But we've seen him dance the jig in prior movies, so they can take Godzilla and do weird things that 
doesn't really surprise me, I guess. Yeah. So uh, final topic I'll bring up here is, you know, the human element of these movies is always very, very weird. Um, let's go back to the original movie. You have some humans who really are upset about the atomic weapons that have caused Godzilla to exist and how to handle things. And you really understand and feel for those humans. Um, and this one, we have a little bit of human interaction. Uh, the young boy, Ken Yano, who you mentioned, he is the technically the lead in this film. And now we've had three little boys in three consecutive movies be the lead, which I really, really am disturbed by, but we'll talk about that. Uh, his father, Dr. Toru Yano, leads the fight against Hedorah after being attacked and losing his eye, as we mentioned, to the creature. The military are paramount in the battle against Hedorah, but do you feel these humans are in any way, shape, or form critical to this film, or are they just here to help fill up screen time again? Well, you know, Dr. Yano is a doctor exposition as to what this creature is and what its weaknesses are, because otherwise it would take forever for us to figure things out. So I, I think they are essential to the plot. Ken isn't. Ken has no, there's no need for the Ken character, the young boy. We need the doctor because the doctor moves the, the story along. The whole teenage hippie dancing crowd protesting at Mount Fuji or celebrating at Mount Fuji. I don't, I don't even really know. That is unnecessary. It's it's put in to draw a younger crowd of seventy audiences, teenagers to to show. So yeah, we're this is a hip Godzilla film, and it is not. Uh, I don't think it probably was in nineteen seventy one, and they continue kind of that hippieish feel into the next one uh, as well. And I don't think it works in that one either. But you know, once again, I wasn't around at that time. Maybe, maybe it did. I, you know, I think Ken is put in there because if there's a kid, then this becomes a kid movie and it makes it more accessible for uh, child audiences. You brought up the disco again. It, that just seemed to feel so out of place and have no real reason at all. And when the sludge and I, this is that's the one scene about this movie that always sticks with me is when the sludge comes down the staircase as if it's going to come and kill everybody in that little underground disco, but then stops and goes back upstairs because I guess he doesn't want to kill anybody. It just, none of that whole disco thing makes any sense no. other than give the chick an opportunity to dance and sing her song. Yes. There's no point to it whatsoever. It is. And a, it's, yeah. it's absurd. No, it's a completely unnecessary scene. Granted, it introduces the, those characters, um, or reinforces, gives you further uh, some character exposition. But no, it's it's does not advance the story at all. I thought, okay, it's almost similar to the blob of like, oh, it's come down the stairs. It's going to these kids are going to die or some of them are going to die or whatever. And like, nope, just pulls back. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, well, that was completely unnecessary. That really didn't do anything. Because that was the part of the movie I guess I was enjoying is uh, or appreciating, I should say, is, uh, yeah, the pollution is killing people not necessarily directly but it is via the monster or hedora let hedora kill more people i mean they said it was killing hundreds if not and injuring another hundred whatever for various reasons through a newsreel but it's like let's make the pollution really say something let's have hedora kill people all the time and you know have the sludge go into the nightclub and kill a bunch of people it's like give this 
things some real gravity other than just say, hey, pollution's bad. Let's uh, try to stop it and kill the sludge monster. So that way that is showing that we're trying to fight pollution. You know, the only reason I think they don't kill the young people is the youth is the hope for the future. And that's the message that you're trying to send is that obviously the, the, the older generations have created the situation. The youth are charged with fix, you know, resolving it, fixing it. And, you know, and that, that was, you know, you couldn't kill those characters because, because then there's no heroic character. Although no one ever solves the pollution problem in this film. It's still there. And that therefore, the threat of a door is still there and always present. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, I think that's about enough for us to cover on this one. Uh, so let's g- give us your final thoughts, Patrick. Is uh, Godzilla versus Hedora as fresh as the day it was released? Or does it leave a burnt taste in your mouth? And can you rank it from one to five stars for me, please? It, it smells like the trash, my trash bin after it's been sitting there a week and a half. Uh, it, it is bad. Now, I still think All Monsters Attack is worse. Uh, and so I, I think I'm going to give this like one and a quarter stars because I think I gave that one a half. Um, there, I mean, there are, there's a good, there's good battles. You get a lot of monster battles in this. And there are stakes. And Godzilla loses for a long period of time. He doesn't just walk in and start kicking ass and makes it anticlimactic. I mean, he he actually gets beat and suffers injuries in this, which he doesn't usually suffer in the other films. So there's some drama to this. So, yeah, I'll give it – actually, I'll go a star and a half. But that's – yeah, that's as far as I'm going. Yeah, I, I will echo everything you basically just said. It's a star and a half for me. It's a burp tasting movie for me i appreciate the long fight like you said um even though it's too long and it's especially between just two monsters but i do appreciate the message even though i think they could have found a better way of doing it a little bit more sincere if you will but yeah i agree this is not one of the better ones but it's not as bad as we've seen in the past and we still have three or four four more movies to review so we may see even worse we'll find out (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, let's hope not. <laughs> All right. Well, that is it for our review of Godzilla versus Hedorah. Please let us know what you think of the film in the comments section on our website and rate it from one to five stars. If there is a film you'd like for us to review, please send us an email to comments at moviehousememories.com and give us your name, location, and film choice. Please follow the MHM Podcast Network on YouTube, Twitter, and Stitcher to stay abreast of all the network's latest releases. Last but certainly not least, please use the Amazon link on our website, moviehousememories.com, to buy all your Godzilla needs. If you would like to own a copy of the Criterion collection of the Showa-era Godzilla films like Patrick and I are reviewing, uh, please pick up a copy at our online store located on moviehousememories.com. Well, that does it for this episode of Movie House Concessions. Until next time, I'm Chad. And I'm Patrick. And this concession stand is now closed.
This podcast is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The song Rock On Bretta is brought to you by Marwan Nimra at Nintentine.com under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of Movie House Concessions, the MHN Podcast Network, and Fuzzy Bunny Slippers Entertainment, LLC, unless otherwise noted.